this is Mina Malapetti with the Seamless Connection podcast. Thank you for joining us for another afternoon together. And I have with me here today, Whaley Shao, president of Omada Health, as well as a whole host of um, healthcare experience from the pharmaceutical sector all the way through digital health to where he's working in today. Thank you so much for joining me today, Whaley. Thank you, Mina, for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. So I'm going to let you introduce yourself in more detail to the audience because you've had a wealth of experience from in a number of different subsectors within healthcare, which is unusual to say the least. People usually stick to one and kind of go deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, and you've worked across the board from actual drug development and um, an understanding the pharmaceutical industry and the processes there all the way through to what are the implications of that for managing patients on such drugs and making sure that they're staying compliant enough to see the benefits of that through your work at Amada Health now. So I'd love to um, hand it off to you to give a little uh, a little bit of a deeper background on, on what's brought you to where you are today, and then we'll dive into everything deeper. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Mina. I appreciate it. So I started out in healthcare uh, quite some time ago uh, in the biopharmaceutical industry. And it was an incredibly rewarding experience. It gave me my first real exposure to chronic disease, things like obesity, diabetes, high blood pressure, uh, basically all cardiometabolic things, as well as a whole bunch of other stuff. And what led me to Omada, um, and for those of your listeners, maybe that are not as familiar with Omada, maybe I should just say a couple of words on Omada first. Omada is, can be best defined as a virtual first healthcare organization. Uh, that really, really focuses the value we provide in this space in between doctor visits. And that's super important, as we all know, because 80 to 90% of all the outcomes, whether they're good or bad or neutral, occur in that space, not in the doctor's office. So that's kind of where people need that persistent kind of care and help. And so we use data and the insights from that data and technology to scale a virtual first form of care for chronic diseases uh, focused in cardiometabolic diseases uh, in that space in between visits. Um, so that's kind of a little bit about what OMADA does. And that's, I guess, important insofar as my introduction that, you know, there was probably one seminal event, Mina, that I share with people that brought me to where I am today. And it it is essentially goes back to almost a decade ago where I was um, uh, in biopharma and was running our diabetes business. And was visiting a number of like diabetes clinics around the country and the disparity in types and levels and quality of care you get in China really, really varied geographically. And it, through all that, I concluded that the only way to accelerate the form of diabetes care that everybody aspires to want and need in China to match the rate of growth in diabetes in China couldn't be done through the regular educational in-person one doctor at a time means the only solution to me at least was technology. And so my team and I had that revelation and called up Tencent uh, who run, runs WeChat. And essentially the dialogue was something around like, Hey, how do we build a diabetes connected care platform on the WeChat platform? Cause everybody uh, across China as well as Asia uses WeChat as we both know. And uh, so we did that. And so long story short, in, a, in about a year, year and a half, we built uh, our MVP with Tencent and hundreds of thousands of patients pulled, pulled uh, kind of came in and pulled in. And that really just kind of widened my healthcare aperture 
and showed me a side of healthcare and what was possible. And so long story short, that's what has eventually brought me to Omada was just that real seminal realization that maybe there was a better way. And maybe there was a way to provide persistent care, what is now we, we refer as in-between doctor visits, especially with chronic conditions. So it was like a hugely inspiring event. And, um, and I guess that's what created the formidable foundation of, of where I am today at Omada. No, it's fantastic. It's a, uh, if you build it, they will come kind of philosophy, right? Yeah. I mean, we've learned since then that, uh, of course, nothing is like that, um, <laughs> but it does, you have to build it before people do come. And so there's a little bit of that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One of the things that we've seen with digital health over the last few years is, um, the acceptance of it, not just from a patient perspective, which obviously there's been, um, you know, many inroads made there, but also from an insurer and employer perspective of understanding the value. Do you think that was largely driven by COVID the same way that acceptance of telehealth broadly was, or in terms of just the way that the industry is evolving and the way that people are now looking at value-based care, which is very different from our historical fee-for-service structure um, and people are maybe potentially looking at different avenues to capture value of care. I mean, I'm always curious as to, you know, for us from an AmplifyMD perspective, when we talk to hospitals and health systems, some people get it and some people don't in terms of what is the value of preventative care? What is the value of engagement with the patient? Um, and when in a fee-for-service system, obviously, as you know, there was no value associated with that in a dollars and cents way. If it didn't hit a CPT code, it didn't count. So how are you... Um, I guess, working with the new new regime, if you will, of now value-based care has started to come into being. Um, and I don't know if Amada actually plays in that uh, purely, if you also offer a fee-for-service offering, but you clearly offer um, a value proposition for employers and for patients that reduces the overall cost of care. So I wanted to see kind of how you were interpreting the acceptance of that when before people were like, what is that? Like, we, we don't care about that. Yeah, it's a it's a great question. And Mina, what you said in the lead up uh, to your question, I agree with. If you were to summarize a very complex condition state in terms of what healthcare and virtual care, I think you described it impeccably well. So much behind what you said, by the way. Um, but I think that certainly the really, really thin silver lining of the pandemic was that it brought the idea of virtual care to the masses, not in the way that we all wanted it, but that is the very, very thin silver lining of this whole pandemic is that's what it did. And that, that created, I think, mental openness for people to say, hey, I've seen it, I've experienced it, it works. How might we really leverage this in our traditional in-person healthcare system and complement it or supplement it? And certainly value-based care, I think, is creating a unique opportunity uh, for that. Um, value-based care, of course, has been tried a number of times in the history of, of medicine here in the United States, as we both know over the last several decades. I do feel like it's different this time because there's there are economic structures in place. There are incentives in place for certain things we know are important for virtual care and preventative care. So I do feel like it's it's different now, and I've never been more optimistic about it. As it relates to Omada, um, we are firm believers in value-based care. And, and, and I guess I would offer two things to, to, to kind of put some context around that. The first one, 
we like to think that we have always been practicing a form of value-based care in the virtual setting since Omada's inception, you know, over a decade ago. And it started like the following. So, you know, for the majority of that last decade or so, the way we got paid for our diabetes prevention program and our weight management program actually was that we didn't get paid unless you lost weight. And so we actually had a sliding scale of payment. It was really complicated, hard to execute, but people loved it because for the first time at scale, they were saying, ah, oh, finally, a healthcare organization that's providing like you get what you, you pay for what you get. And that was something that has become part of our reputation in the marketplace. And even today, I would say the majority of what we do has either that component or a, an additional component around performance guarantees, whether it be levels of engagement or total population outcomes. And so we've been for a long time, huge proponents of the concept, but it's not been easy because all the infrastructures you mentioned hasn't really always been there. Fast forward to where we are today, earlier in the year, we launched a, a partnership, uh, and this is just one, one public example, uh, with Intermountain Healthcare. And, and as we all know, they're super innovative, they're super future forward thinking, they provide incredible levels of service and care, their NPS scores are super high, they also, have, they also do a lot of at-risk business uh, with the patients that they care for. And we entered into what we call our probably one of our first uh, of several modern value-based care agreements where we share risk in a more contemporary format of a total population improvement uh, on outcomes specifically in diabetes. And so we've been hard at work with them, they've been hard at work with us um, in really putting in this interstitial or in-between care form of virtual care visit to complement their in-person visits and a true value-based care platform that links to the contracts they have with their you know, paying entities or their health insurance plans that they work with. So that's super exciting. And I think that is a very, very contemporary optimistic example of what can be at scale. Mm -hmm. No, and that's, that's fantastic to hear because one of the biggest issues with patients in a chronic care condition is engagement and ongoing engagement. It's because it's not something over weeks and months, it's over years. That's right. Um, and sometimes you just don't want to hear from, from their navigator anymore, right? So how do you guys deal with that problem at Omada, which is to drive continued engagement from the patient? Because when you have high blood pressure or cholesterol or diabetes, or, you know, take any number of these um, that cross multiple specialty areas. Um, there's a lot that they have to control. And if they're taking numerous pills, have numerous interventions, numerous doctors, do you ever get patients that are just fatigued and they're just like, I'm done. <laughs> and how do you get them to re-engage if you get, if they get to that point? Yeah. We, uh, another incredible question. Um, uh, I think everybody can tell by the nature of questions that you're like in the healthcare weeds <laughs> because you've you've got your your questions are like super on target. Um, at Omada, we we kind of divide uh, define this broad concept of engagement in kind of three three different components, and they're super important because they're they're different in each of the regard along along the journey. The first one is actual enrollment. Um, you know, what percent of people that you reach out to you know, that we partner with a health system, health plan or employer actually enroll. 
The second one is what we call activation. What is it that they're doing or not doing with us in the very initial period of that time, probably the first two or three months? Because we know if you're not engaged, then you're not going to be engaged later. So that's another important piece. And then the, and then the third one is probably the longer term, like after a year, are they still engaged? And how has that engagement changed with the acuity of their disease? If it's gotten better, we do expect lower engagement, not as much care needed. If they've gotten worse or life circumstances, they need more support. So we look at it on that continuum and not surprisingly, one would probably conclude, okay, well, we try to engage in that way along the, the arc of those three things over, over a, a member journey. And so, you know, I think the, the concept of engagement is probably one of the top three hot topics right now in virtual care. Um, the first one is on the, on the enrollment side, we know through millions of member outreach deployments, we do thousands of partnered deployments to prospective members, um, you know, every quarter. And we know that when we partner, when we lead the outreach, cause we have tested this stuff through just iteration, iteration, a lot of insights. We know what needs to be said and how the program needs to be uh, described in the right way for somebody's interest uh, to be piqued and a likelihood to action, which is enrollment. But that, in addition to whether it be health plan advocacy through their own channels, their own navigators, if it's a health system through their own patient portals uh, like MyChart, if you get that that integrated approach, you get outsized engagement, two to three to sometimes five X the baseline. And I think that's super critical. Maybe not surprising that lo and behold, an omni-channel approach works, but in healthcare in this context, you know, that omni-channel approach compared to like consumer packaged goods is still nascent compared to the science they figured out. The second one is around activation. Once they're inside our virtual care doors, there's a series of things that we know pay off. We know from um, you know, millions of interactions and now over 1 million uh, all-time members that if they just do, if they just set a very specific smart goal, it doesn't need to be big. And in fact, smaller is actually better. We know that they're 250% more likely to achieve their engagement outcomes results six months later. It's, it's remarkable. The correlation in R squared on that's massive. Then the last one over time is we, we find over, over a period of time, there's about 31 touch points per week that an average member has with Omada. And that ebbs and flows, like I said, based upon the acuity. So it's really about us working with our members in a partnership way with our care teams. What micro goals are you setting that incrementally gets you to the big goal? Uh, and that's really boiling down the, the, the science and the art of behavior change in a very simplistic, probably not doing it justice way. But that's really what that in longer tail of engagement looked like. Um, is such that we do that and we help people work towards those smaller and smaller goals using a variety of behavior change techniques that we've scaled uh, virtually through technology. No, that makes sense. And one of the things that comes to mind here as you talk about the omnichannel approach, um, as we all know, our country is aging and you know the po population's um, getting grayer, getting sicker uh, with multiple comorbidities, which presents a great opportunity for companies like, like Omada. My question is, because I see this with my grandparents, getting them to successfully be compliant and adherent to their treatment plans for whatever condition they might have 
it's a family approach too. So it's omnichannel from a tech perspective and from a resource perspective, but also from a support structure perspective beyond um, what we can provide from a um, from a third party perspective, right? So have you already taken steps? Because I, I know this is a relatively new area for a lot of digital health companies to involve the families or involve the community more to get that level of engagement um, where once you can't drive or once you can't manage your own appointments or maybe you can, but you want someone to help you understand what the doctor is saying or what you have to do to maintain that. Um, there's so many different levels, right? So I'm curious as to, does that have a role for something like Omada? And if so, how would that be incorporated? Um, is it, do the, does the family join the care team? Is it a separate uh, kind of offering? And, and how do we think about that? Uh, and again, from a very personal perspective, because I have two aging grandparents who are at that point where they literally have, I think, on average between the two of them, two appointments a week, right? Um, and multiple calls and multiple prescriptions and multiple exams and all of that. Yeah, I think it's another great point. I mean, community uh, or and or family support, uh, we know is super important. Um, if we look at kind of like the five or six key ingredients to successful behavior change in that space between doctor visits, one of them is community. Um, I think community is, a, is another aspect of virtual care that is getting a lot of attention right now alongside the things we've mentioned, as well as like artificial intelligence, GLP-1s, and all these kinds of things. So it's, it's right up there in the topical list. As it relates to community, I would say maybe a few things. The first one is, is that um, we have found that to be true. And so we create, we have hundreds of specific topical communities within our care program. Right now, it's about member to member, peer to peer support, because we know that involvement in communities uh, breeds and, and advocates behavior change. And they ask questions to each other, all sorts of things. And then our care teams monitor that and provide you know, evidence-based replies to as well. As it relates to bringing in family, that is something we've talked about quite a bit and is something we're actively investigating kind of in our next phase of how we personalize uh, uh, our program. The last thing I'll say on, on, on kind of that Medicare age population or the more senior age population um, is interestingly enough, we, we did a fairly large scale study in the Medicare population and they are more engaged than the younger population. There are all sorts of hypotheses as to why, but one that we debunked was that it wouldn't be less due to technology adoption. We found that they were actually quite facile with the technology we used. And that maybe because they had more issues or, and or maybe more time or had a higher need for community, that they were actually more engaged than the average member in their 40s or 50s. Um, uh, when, when looking at, you know, kind of that 65-year-old group or above. So that was like an interesting insight. And so not surprisingly, we see the outcomes follow that. No, that's fantastic. Um, and I know we're, we're getting up here on time, but my one thing I want to definitely have a chance for you to speak on is what are you most excited about as you look forward for Amada? There's so many areas you guys could push into, whether it's from the employer side, whether it's from the patient engagement side, whether it's like we talked about, implications of Insight Labs using AI to drive better engagement, better outcomes for your patients, whether it's all these new drugs that are coming out, whether GLP-1s or otherwise, I'm sure there'll be more next year that we can all talk about. So what what are you most excited about? Or does it all just come together and you kind of take it as it comes? You know, I think there, if I were to break it down, they're all interrelated. There are interrelated. There are like three things I'm super excited about. So in brief, the first one is uh, kind of what we do, what our core is, and the value we provide 
Um, we're in the chronic conditions of cardiometabolic disease, MSK, behavioral health. And they're all the ones that are not only comorbid and interrelated, but the ones that everybody most right now from a buyer standpoint and have been historically, we believe in the future, care about the most because they're meta mega population health issues uh, that are consuming a lot of a cost as well as affecting a lot of people. And so we're excited about where we are from a positioning standpoint in the marketplace. We've never been stronger. We feel that, and that's great. The second one is, as I mentioned earlier, we, we crossed our 1 million uh, member mark. And the reason it's exciting beyond the fact that it's you know, a high number, but that's less of the point, is that we have this huge database of textual data, contextual data, that allows us to apply generative AI and ML models on top of that. And I think will confer a huge care advantage for us going into the future. And so we're super excited about that. The third one, of course, is the positive disruptive technology of GLP-1s and the pipeline of GLP-1s. We believe there's a huge synergy between what Omada does and those disruptive, you know, positive technologies that when used in conjunction can really, really bend the curve at a total population level for cardiovascular or cardiometabolic disease. And so we're active in that. Um, lots of discussions, lots of momentum. There will probably be things to announce next year on that. But I think that that's the third year that we're super excited about. So in sum, in total, we, we probably couldn't be more excited about virtual health right now and the, the, the promise and the, the idea of what it can provide to, to healthcare. And uh, we feel super fortunate and humbled to be, I guess, a player in that, that, huge, that huge movement. I, I can't wait to, to follow the journey and to see where you guys are all uh, you know, coming out at about a year from now. So I'm definitely planning to, uh, to circle back with you at that point, because all of those hit on so many key areas that I see every day, not just my personal life, but in the professional life, in the hospital setting, in the outpatient setting. So you guys are working on some really critical aspects and, and, and the critical diseases, quite frankly, that are costing our system way more than they should because they're not managed appropriately in between appointments. So thank you for that. Yeah, no, thank you. And I appreciate you having me um, on your show, on your podcast. Uh, you've got a history of ha having great uh, participants uh, alongside you. So I'm, I'm humbled just to be part of that crowd. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate it.